Hello and welcome to Deep Dive. From the Japan Times, I'm Oscar Boyd. This week, I'll be joined by Alyssa Smith and Tom Hannaway, the pair who write the Japan Times' Terrace House recaps, to discuss the recent death of Terrace House member Hana Kimura, who passed away at the end of last month. In case you haven't been following the news surrounding her death, this episode will talk about suicide. So if you don't want to hear about that, you might want to turn off now and join us again next week. You might also consider going back and listening to the episode we ran in May of 2019, episode 14, titled What's the Deal with Terrace House? It's also a good starting point for anyone who hasn't been watching the show and gives a lot of context to this episode. Later on, we'll also hear from BJ Fox, an ambassador for Tell Japan, and he'll be talking about the mental health services the organisation provides. Tell is a fantastic service for those who want someone to talk to if they find themselves in a time of need, so please do give that segment a listen as well. But now, my conversation with Alyssa and Tom. Alyssa, Tom, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's pretty much a year to the day since you started writing your recap series for Terrace House. Why did you decide to write about it? Um, well, it started out as kind of a unique opportunity for us. Uh, Tom and I watched the show for a few years and we loved it and we would just talk about it in our free time. Um, and then we realized that because the new episodes come out in Japan a few months before they do in the US, we get to watch them first and no one else was really doing recaps in English of this immensely popular reality TV show. It just seemed like a really exciting opportunity to um, sort of reach some new readers and also you know, spend time writing about something that we really enjoy watching and probably would be talking about anyway. So kind of a diary project as well as something interesting to write about. And this series, Terrace House Tokyo 2019 to 2020, was meant to be Terrace House's big showpiece before the Olympics. So yeah, maybe you could sum up the season so far and your impressions of it. Well, I, I do think they started out with very high expectations. The second episode was titled something like, what was it? Tom, do you remember? The Something Incident. Oh, the Tempera Incident. Right. And so that title is kind of a callback to an incident that happened in a previous series. And it's sort of, it was a very dramatic moment. A lot of fans would talk about it. And I think they were trying to recreate that kind of excitement. But um, it was just the second episode of this new Tokyo season. And it didn't quite pay off. Um, so you can see that, you know, they were really trying to build up a lot of excitement. But the beauty of this show is that it's sort of a slow burn. You get invested in how slowly these relationships develop and people get to know each other and reveal things about themselves. Yeah, I would have to agree. I feel like Alyssa said they just tried to really pump up the drama, which kind of goes against the point of the show, which is just they kind of live their normal lives and then we kind of analyze and observe like the weird little interactions or the awkward moments or them just making dinner or talking about who's going to do the dishes or whatever. And usually in every season, there's a couple plot twist characters. And it seemed like this season, it was just like one after the other. Like we had this Italian manga artist and we had this Russian model. Like we kept having all of these bigger personalities and like people we typically wouldn't see 
on Terrace House. So it really felt like they were kind of going all out to make this like the biggest season so far. And I guess as well as the added pressure of the Olympics, this was the first season which was starting with a really large dedicated audience. I think the season before it, that audience, particularly overseas, kind of grew quite rapidly. But the pressure must have been on to make this season a hit from the very, very start. I think, you know, just just to speak to that, Terrace House Tokyo 2019-2020 was the second most watched thing on Netflix Japan after The Naked Director. Yeah, yeah. In 2019, that Naked Director was first, and then um, Terrace House Tokyo 2019-2020 um, was the second. And that includes, like, everything on Netflix. So if it's TV shows or movies or whatever, either from domestic or abroad, um, it was the second most watched piece of content. So, um, yeah, it was huge for sure. So there was a lot of pressure on this season. And then how did coronavirus impact upon it? Well, it was interesting because for a while, usually the episodes that come out week by week are usually two months after they're filmed, give or take. So while we were experiencing coronavirus in the world, like we kept seeing Terrace House and no one was really talking about it. It wasn't really being discussed. And we really didn't know what was going to happen. And none of like the Twitter accounts either from the people in the house or the production company were saying anything. Um, and it was kind of depressing because when we, when coronavirus really started hitting Japan, they showed the New Year's episode in Terrace House, <laughs> Tokyo. And like everyone's like clinking glasses and they're like, 2020 is going to be the best year ever. And like <laughs> worldwide, that's not been the case. So it was kind of sad to see that. Um, but it wasn't... Um, until when, Alyssa, you might have to help me out when they announced that they were finally going to like shut down production because they were worried for, for everyone's safety. So it was around the time that episode 40 aired, um, or was released by Netflix. So that was around April 20th and it was announced that they were going on hiatus. So they were going to stop production, um, for the safety of the cast and the crew, but they didn't really say whether that was going to be the end of the series or not. And then about a month later, all of a sudden they dropped a new episode and then they went, okay, we're going we're gonna to be releasing episodes again because we have this leftover footage. They never quite addressed how they were going to be dealing with the coronavirus. Um, all they said was, we have more episodes, so stay tuned, keep watching. And what was really interesting is because a big part of the show is the panel of comedians and stars who comment on the show. So what they originally uh, did, at least in one of the first episodes that they released when they came back, they just had a single member comment on the show, Rota Yamasato, who everyone calls him Yamachan. Um, he's kind of a very biting comedian. Um, so it was just like him in like the room they always film in, um, and he just filled up all the airtime himself with his comments. So... Um, they were doing, I guess, whatever they could while trying to stay, you know, two meters away from everyone else during filming. So they were trying to work around the situation for sure. It was not long after those new episodes came out that we got the news 
of the death of Hannah Kimura, which is why we're talking about Terrace House right now. So for people who aren't following Terrace House at all and who haven't been following the news that closely, could you introduce Hannah Kimura to us? Sure. Um, She came onto the show around October and... She had a very bright personality. You know, she had pink hair and she laughed a lot and she was very friendly. And she said that, you know, she was on the show because she wanted to fall in love. Um, She had she didn't have a lot of experience dating. And because of her job as a female professional wrestler, she spent a lot of time around other women. Um, So she wasn't really that familiar, you know, living with men or really interacting with men. And she was just very bubbly. You know, we would see scenes of her at a wrestling match and she was very aggressive and tough. But then, you know, the flip side of that is back at the house, we would see her with her roommates. And even though she was very friendly and bubbly, she had a very she had a shy side to her. You know, she could be sensitive. And, um, you know, when she get she would get embarrassed, she would cover her face with a pillow because she just, you know, she would be blushing so much. You know, she she came on to the show with like a very, I would say, engaging personality. Yeah, I guess I would say for Hana, a lot of people, especially in the wrestling community, um, already knew her and were fans. Um, her mother was a wrestler, so it was kind of in the family tradition to be a wrestler. So there was kind of these two groups of fans. There were the wrestling fans who loved seeing her outside of the ring, seeing her, because when she was a wrestler, she was, um, the term is the heel, so she was kind of like the villain wrestler, like she was always, you know, beating up the good, quote-unquote, good wrestlers, um, and I guess they were very interested to see her on Terrace House, because she was just herself, and like Alyssa said, she was just like a very fun, easygoing person. So you do have these two different fan groups who love her for different reasons and know her from different places. So she definitely, in terms of not only Netflix, but also wrestling, she was a very big star for sure. And on May 23rd, her death was announced. And it's not been officially confirmed, but most media is reporting her death as suicide. And I'm not really used to talking about suicide, so I think we're going to have to be quite careful about how we address this. But what do we know about her death? When it first came out that she had died, there was a lot of speculation going on as to how it happened. Social media is such a huge part of this show, and so it kind of seemed like there were so many comments just flooding in. A lot of fans of the show were saying that she was being harassed online, and it had been increasing since a particular episode was released. And so... Um, People were drawing a lot of conclusions, I guess, about how she died. But eventually, you know, it was some news sources reported that there had been a suicide note, Mm -hmm. but she had died at a hospital. And what kind of pressures was she facing? You mentioned there was a particular episode that led to a lot of online harassment. Could you tell me a bit more about that? I can answer this, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically... In episode 38 of the season, the whole conflict of the episode is that there's one roommate and he's kind of framed as being um, like kind of lazy and like cheap and he doesn't have a job. So he's kind of rubbing everyone the wrong way in the house because he's not contributing anything. He's not really doing anything. 
And then to top everything off, he ruins Hana's wrestling costume in the wash, and she reveals it costs a lot of money to make these, because they're custom-made for her. So in the episode, they have a big, like, house meeting, and Hana kind of snaps, and she goes on uh, on the roommate, not only about the costume being ruined and how she has to pay for it, but also just him in general and how he's not doing anything with his life. Like, his this roommate wants to be a comedian, and but he's not really working toward it that well. He doesn't really have any side work. So she kind of calls him out for all these things, saying that he's not paying for stuff, that he's just always around the house, that he's not, you know, working on his comedy routine. And that fight scene kind of set off um, a very vocal, but I would argue small group of people online. Um, It seems, I mean, just anecdotally, it seems that a lot of online cyberbullying happens from people who maybe don't have a lot in their lives. So I feel like when Hana was kind of attacking this roommate for being jobless and not being in school, a lot of these, you know, people online took this personally. They felt like perhaps she was yelling at them and they kind of felt, you know, that she put them in their place. So I, from my perspective, it seems like they got frustrated by that. They got upset and then they attacked her for saying all these things. I I just want to add that um, before that particular fight happened, Kai and Hana had this storyline developing where, you know, they were romantically interested in each other. You know, she had she had been flirting with a different roommate before, but then that didn't work out. And then so she like directed her attention at Kai and it seemed to be going well and it was building, building, building. And then finally they go on a weekend trip together and it falls apart from there. It isn't that he ruined her costume and she just sort of blew up. Um, it was something that was building over. She had all these expectations. She was so excited. And then suddenly she was like very disappointed in like this romance Uh, not working out. So I think as viewers sort of saw this storyline develop and then end in this massive fight, it was it was pretty unexpected, I think. And that's maybe that's why people got so riled up about the fight. You said earlier that Terrace House is kind of known for its slow burn and it's Yeah, I think it's got a reputation for not having the same moments of drama that you might see on other reality TV shows around the world. So was this fight scene between them unusual for the show? Yeah, I would say in every season, there's kind of like a big fight that happens. So like in Boys and Girls in the City, there was like this fight at the very end where like everyone in the house got together and they revealed that these two roommates were secretly dating and they didn't tell anyone so they kind of got outed on television and then there was a fight about that Mm -hmm. but in this season in particular there were a lot more fights than usual but we never i don't think we ever saw someone screaming as much or as like as fiercely as hana was um but you also have to keep in mind like you know she's a professional wrestler like this was her job to like go over the top and really smack down people so i think when people saw that i don't know how many people kind of understood like okay this is her job though to be you know make these big dramatic entrances and these big dramatic moves so but in terms of viewers i don't think we ever saw a kind of one-sided yelling match like that also in that same episode um you know we see kai at a 
com- like a stand-up comedy show and he bombs and he um one of his bits is about how his mother tells him he's too sensitive and then he just can't continue um and so you know you feel very sorry for him he's he's not doing well and then the episode ends with this fight where he's getting yelled at by this girl that he was flirting with and in terms of the social media reaction online um what kind of criticism was Hannah facing after that episode and and was it just criticism or did she have a lot of support as well well after the news broke about her um a lot of people were sharing screenshots of like what certain people were saying about her and mind you when you would go through the comments like there'd be so many supportive stuff but there would just be a couple really mean comments toward the top that and it's always seemed like someone would say something mean and all these other people would like upvote it or whatever to make it appear higher up but you did see comments saying like you should disappear you should move out uh i remember seeing a tweet that called her a gorilla so some of it was you know not just telling her to leave the show but also commenting on her physical appearance which kind of came from her being like a strong wrestler also the fact that she was half japanese so i feel like there was some uh racial connotation there she also tweeted at some point that she receives about 100 rude messages a day. So that's kind of the negative commentary that she was getting, at least from what I saw on the English side, just either searching on Twitter or Reddit or just talking to my friends. I mean, we all loved Hana. Like she was by far one of the most interesting people in the show. In my view, she was kind of one of the stars, if not the star. I mean, she was on the show Mm -hmm. since October. So she was on there for like eight months she was always somehow having these like stories with the boys or with her wrestling career. So everyone was kind of rooting for her, at least from the English speaking community that I saw online. So it was kind of two different worlds where it felt like on the English speaking side, she was just one of the top people in the house. But on the Japanese side, there was definitely this weird divide going on. I thought she had a sweetness to her that was that keep kept drawing me back in. Um, there were a few points um, in this season where I was starting to get a little bit frustrated. And, you know, whenever Hannah would come on, it would be like, oh, this is, this is more like the terrace house that I know and love. Um, and so I would keep returning to see her. So I, I don't want to put you know, everything down to this one episode. So perhaps we can talk more generally about the show itself. Do you think the Terrace House format not advocates for cyberbullying, but like certainly makes criticism of the characters seem more okay? Because when you watch it, you know, you, you see the scenes from these people's lives and then it cuts to a panel of comedians who then have an opportunity to critique them very openly. So do you think the format of the show is problematic and, yeah, lends itself to people criticising these characters or these participants so heavily? Mm, I think part of what makes the show so popular is the panel um, and their hot takes and their jokes about, you know, whatever the housemates are doing. And sometimes it's surprising because, you know, 
they're commenting on a scene that you just watched and the way that they saw it is completely different from how you interpret it. <laughs> and, you know, they are, a few of them are professional comedians. And so they're not meant to be nice. You know, they're supposed to sort of heighten the drama of it all. Um, so, yeah, often <laughs> they're not they're not particularly kind. Um, they're certainly encouraging, I think, when some people um, display some bad behavior um, because that makes for good TV. Yeah, I feel during every single episode when we jump to the panel to hear their thoughts, I mean, they basically give their thumbs up or thumbs down to every single interaction we saw. Like they say if they thought someone very smoothly asked someone out or had a very nice dinner or they give a thumbs down and they mock them and they say how like awkward it was or what were they thinking about saying this or wearing that. So there is a lot of judgment, but a bigger thing is that some of the panel members, um, we mentioned Yamasato before, but he's just very blunt about things and he's kind of seen everything from the bigger picture. So when someone does something kind of off-putting or maybe doesn't put them in the best light, like Yamasato will say, oh, well, like their Instagram's going to be blowing up with bad comments or he's also very blunt being like, well, this person's very clearly only on the show to like promote their music or to promote their brand. Like they don't care about being on the show or this girl only said yes to a date because she wanted to be on TV more. Mm. Yeah, he is very cynical. This The character that he kind of has as a comedian is, you know, this guy who's um, maybe a little bit dorky. He's got a chip on his shoulder because, you know, like more popular, good-looking people around him are dating and all this stuff. And he's sort of like looking at it all as an outsider, you know. And so he's very, he has a lot of very biting commentary about it all. He's very cynical. But one of the unique things about the show, or perhaps not unique, but um, certainly a big part of it, is the fact that social media does play into it and the fact that there's this meta element of the show as well whereby contestants actually watch the edited show when it's released on Netflix as part of the show and it all creates this big feedback loop where by they see how they're portrayed and they see people's reactions to how they're portrayed and then adjust perhaps their behaviour accordingly. Do you think that encourages people to be more critical online because they think they can have more of an influence on how people behave in the show? Yeah, I definitely think like the audience feels like in a certain way, they feel like they can kind of maneuver the story or change the story or change the house based on their comments. Like they can kind of bully someone out or they can kind of make their favorite person look like the hero with their comments they also, like you mentioned, the show is very meta. So there's been so many times where we see the housemates watch an episode and then immediately after they're on their phones reading comments from people. And I think like unlike other celebrities, like if you tweet at a celebrity, you, you don't really know if they're going to see it or not. But like when you see footage of them on Instagram, like scrolling through, you kind of know like if I, if I send a comment to them, positive or negative, they're going to see it. It kind of, I think it encourages the audience to interact and voice their opinion. I think there is definitely an ownership from the audience where they feel like they have the right to judge who's on the show and they kind of have 
the they feel they have the right to be the judge and jury of who deserves to be on the show or who deserves to really reach their goals or find love and who should just leave the show. It did happen in the past where, you know, one of the cast members got so much negative attention on social media that, you know, it became part of her storyline where she had this dream of working in the wedding industry and she was going out interviewing for jobs and she actually mentioned the names of the companies that she wanted to work at on the show and so people online would you know post on instagram and tweet at her like oh you know those places where you work are going to be at a disadvantage because of someone like you who's fake or um doesn't really care about other people and then so that was crushing to her and you could actually see it on screen and then over the course of her storyline which is strange to say because she's a real person not you know a scripted character she just she had to adjust her behavior um and go out for different jobs and sort of give up on her dream there is this emphasis in terrace house about the cast members needing to be genuine um you know the the show kind of touts itself as being an unscripted reality tv show and it comes up quite a lot where the cast members um they accuse each other of not being real or not being honest enough or not being genuine and they're very aware of the fact that they're being watched right and so it's a very strange thing where the cast members are encouraging each other to be very honest but they're also there are times when they try to present themselves in a certain way um so that the people who are watching them will react to them in a certain way and it kind of blows up in their face past participants such as Lauren Sai have spoken out quite vocally about the pressure they faced um on the show and also seeing themselves and how they were edited and there's a quote in one of your articles Alyssa where Lauren Sai was saying you know am i really like that i hate myself after watching her own portrayal. So it's not an unknown problem that people face pressure and difficulties being in the terrace house. So do you know if they receive much support from the show um either before they're chosen or even during the show or after they leave the house in terms of mental health or otherwise? Um it doesn't really seem like they get a lot of support afterwards because after um Hana died a lot of her housemates posted on Instagram in response to her passing and they mentioned their own experiences of having been on the show and all the comments that they gotten on social media and they said that they were getting a lot of harassment as well and whenever they tried to speak to people about it um they would just be like well that's part of being on TV you know it goes with being famous um you just kind of have to gamansuru which is you know you have to sort of just get through it um so it doesn't seem to be like there's a lot of support in terms of um counseling maybe or uh warning these cast members beforehand that there is potential to get a lot of online harassment i know around the world more generally there's been a lot of suicides associated with reality TV and one of the criticisms that often comes up when those deaths occur is that producers have been looking for people who might be more vulnerable because they think they'll make better TV so do you think the added pressure of 
the Olympics and already having this big global audience for Terrace House meant that the show might have been looking for people who are more vulnerable so that they could have these bigger, louder characters that in turn might attract a larger audience for the show. From my perspective, I don't know if they ever really consider if someone is vulnerable or if someone is doing well emotionally. I think they just, all they care about is the optics. Like, is this person pretty? Does it seem like this person will add a certain element to the show? Whether that element is they're just cute and they'll just be cute in the show or maybe they're a little bit you know, have a shorter fuse, maybe they might get into fights, or maybe they're kind of the macho guy and they'll bring that element. I really, I think they just focus on that. I'm not an expert in this um, field at all, but I, in Japan in general, like mental health is not something people really talk about. Um, and it's kind of a hush-hush sort of situation. So I would be very surprised if there's ever any conversation about how people are doing mentally and physically before they come onto the show. I also think it's worth noting that, you know, yes, she was experiencing a lot of pressure from being on the show, but also, you know, there is a pandemic going on, which we saw the beginning of on the show. Um, And she mentions how um, a lot of her fights have been canceled for social distancing reasons and whatnot. And so she has to stop working. She was living alone, so her main source of like interacting with the world was through social media. So I think there are a lot of factors going into it. Um, I don't think the producers chose her because they saw her as a vulnerable person or as mentally unstable. I, I don't think they would choose people based on that. What's the response been to Hannah Kimura's death? Maybe let's start with Netflix and Fuji TV. I feel like Netflix's response has been, maybe Netflix and Fuji TV's response has been pretty limited. Um, They've decided to um, not release the remaining episodes that they had planned, and then they're going to cancel the series, which probably wasn't going to last that much longer anyway because of the coronavirus. and they offered a short statement with um, their condolences. I feel like there hasn't been that much uh, responsibility taken. Yeah, I remember on the day she passed away, and we were we had to write about it for the website. I remember just keep I kept waiting for some for Fuji TV or Netflix to say something, but. For It was hours and hours and hours, and they didn't say anything. And then they finally made a very short statement, and it was just basically more or less saying, like, we're sorry this happened. But they haven't really said anything else. I, at least personally, I haven't seen any of them, any of the studios, like, point to where people can get help if they need it or warning signs people should be looking out for. So a fairly limited response from Netflix and Fuji TV then. But what about the response more generally um, to to her death? Well, I was pretty surprised because I just didn't know how much attention 
her death would get just because of the world we're in and with coronavirus i just thought um it just people would be perhaps too distracted or just unfamiliar with the show to care or to notice but i mean the reaction was huge and i feel like the whole country kind of felt it i know it sounds perhaps uh, exaggerating or over dramatic to say that but i mean when on that day when she did pass away like every single um, top trending word or phrase on Twitter was about her. Um, there were all these singers and athletes and even politicians were making statements about her. The former Prime Minister of Japan, Yukio Hatoyama, released a statement about her. The current Communications Minister of Japan, she spoke about her. So I was very surprised that all these people were talking about her death, I was very happy because I didn't want it to go unnoted. And I think when details came out of how she perhaps was cyberbullied and was just relentlessly attacked on social media, I think a lot of famous people in Japan, this was kind of the breaking point for them where they were finally ready and willing to talk about this. How, like Alyssa said, you just have to put up with this and just kind of keep moving forward. But so many singers and actors and everyone else came out and said, like, this is not only her, like, this is happening to us every single day and we're sick of it and we don't know what else to do. Um, there was a really popular post by a YouTuber called Daigo who kind of has this kind of psychological YouTube account where he kind of talks about, um, like, medicine and psychology. And he had a tweet basically saying that, like, he's going to come after anyone who ever cyber bullies him online ever like he's going to use his money resources to come after these people and expose them so i was kind of shocked by that reaction um and also the reaction of the government they're actually going to be proposing or talking about proposing uh rules to help clamp down on cyberbullying. um whether that be you can sue people for libel or whether you can expose them by their real name um, there's a lot of ideas flowing around but it's been I'm shocked by how swift um, the reaction has been and how much people do want to change kind of Japanese social media um, from here on. I think it's also the case in Japan, right, that there's an incredibly high level of online anonymity, which also means, I think, that people feel like they can criticize without any repercussions. Yeah, just anecdotally, when I connect with friends in the United States, like their Twitter account or their Instagram account is usually their name, either their like first name and initial or just their full name. But like when I connect with friends in Japan on social media, like their handles are always just like gibberish. It's just like smashing the keyboard of like numbers and letters. And like, they just don't want their name to be out there. Um, and I just think it's a thing where they're just a little bit more concerned about privacy here. So with that kind of need for privacy, I feel like there are people taking advantage of it and they feel like they can just say or do whatever they want. Alyssa, how do you think Terrace House should continue from here? Do you think Hannah Kimura's death will change things? Um, do you think it can continue? I think... The show has a very unique opportunity right now to, I mean, it has such a huge fan base and this death obviously had a huge 
it, it caused this immense outpouring of um, grief and concern about cyberbullying. And to just ignore that and to say, we're going to cancel the show now, I think um, is almost irresponsible. You know, they should address it in some way. Um, even if they don't come back with like an entire season, I feel like there should be some kind of acknowledgement of what's happened and the role that the show had to play in it. Um, if the show does come back, I think um, the panelists may be less harsh. I kind of feel like maybe they're going to take away the scenes where um, people can people are watching themselves on screen and the viewers are watching them and there's like that meta moment of everyone seeing each other and realizing oh my god like that's how I'm being portrayed I feel like removing that might help with the problem but there is you know going beyond the show cyberbullying is an issue that I think really needs to be recognized um, and so, you know, the show has, the show can do something about that. They can sort of take this, this unfortunate event and sort of shape people's um, thoughts about how they should be interacting with each other. Yeah, I guess for me, I would be fine if the show didn't come back. I just feel like there's just too much weight now. Like we can't really have the show what it was before of people just hanging out and making dinner and having chit chats. It just feels like there's too much of the past still there. So I don't know if a, if they can make the show what it was before or B if the audience will want to show up for it. Um, like Alyssa said, I think it would be a waste if they don't do at least something to address this, to talk about the mistakes they've made or, things we can do in the future to improve. And I also, like Alyssa said, cyberbullying is such a bigger thing that it's not just this one show that can tackle it. It's really not just, uh, I mean, it's society that has to figure out how to make this work. And also the social media companies need to stand up. Um, we had an article in the Japan Times in 2017 about how people were protesting outside of the um, Twitter Japan offices because Twitter Japan is kind of notorious for just being very hands-off with comments. They don't remove any next to any hate speech. They don't really delete accounts. They just kind of let everything go, and they don't want to get involved. Um, and from experience that I've had when I've reported tweets in English and tweets in Japanese, the hateful tweets in English are eventually removed most of the time but the tweets in Japanese are never touched. And I always get a response back saying this tweet didn't violate any terms and services. So I think the social media sites need to kind of stand up and realize, yeah, it's going to be uh, challenging to dip your toes into this and to kind of be the referee and decide what breaks the rules and what doesn't. But if they keep just pretending that there isn't anything going on, or if they rather just not get involved, I don't see how, cyberbullying can really uh, be contained. Um, I just want to say that, you know, we've talked about a lot of the negative aspects of the show, but it is, like, 
a lot of people really love this show because there are very heartwarming moments, and a lot of it is about these strangers living together and sort of, you know, supporting each other with their careers.、Um, they grow very close. Whenever someone moves out, usually when someone moves out, it's very emotional, and a lot of people cry. So, you know, it's <laughs> the show isn't all bad. It's actually. It can be a feel-good show. It can be heartwarming. It can remind you that you know friendships are important, relationships are important. You looking after other people and supporting them is very important.、Um, so for me, it seems to be a shame for the show to just end here, to to give up here and say we're done.、Um, I think people need a reminder that. The most important thing is to look after each other, and these, you know, online harassment, negative attention, like it's not permanent.、Um, you can you can reach out for help, and there will be people who want to be there for you. That was Alyssa Smith and Tom Hannaway. Thank you very much to both of them. Next, Tell Ambassador and comedian B J Fox joins us to tell us about his brief cameo on Terrace House and the work of Tell Japan, who provide English language mental health services for those who need them. B J, thank you for joining us today. Could we start with a brief self introduction? Uh, hello, Oscar. Thank you for having me today.、Um, so I'm BJ Fox. I am a an English language stand up comedian based here in Tokyo. I'm one of the founders of Stand Up Tokyo. We run most of the shows here in Tokyo. We're building up that comedy community in Tokyo. But I think I'm here today to talk about my another role that I do, and that is I am the ambassador for the Tokyo English Lifeline, or as it's commonly known in the community, Tell. Okay, before we jump into that, though. Can we talk about your brief experience with Terrace House? You had a、mm. cameo in episode thirty, in which one of the participants, Kai, tries his hand at stand-up comedy for the first time. How was that for you? You know, we were approached by Terrace House, a production company behind Terrace House,、um, letting us know that one of their contestants—is that how you call it? Participants, members, members of the house、uh, wanted to try some English language stand-up comedy. Could they come down and film?、Um, and the reason I think we're talking about this is because he, Kai Kobayashi Kai, came and performed with us. But also he brought the cameras down. He also brought some of his、um, fellow cast members, Kimura Hana, Hana Kimura, Vivi and Emika. There was like a row of Terrace House cast members at the back, and yeah, it was an amazing night of comedy. Yeah, and just having that exposure for the community in Tokyo on Terrace House, possibly. Was the biggest moment in stand-up Tokyo's history, and as a result of that, did you have much chance to kind of interact with the the members of the Terrace House? Well, certainly Kai,、uh, I've got to know quite well. He's performed with us a number of times since, and yeah, and also the other the girls, the members of the house, the three of them at the back. I talked to them from the stage and did my MC role, gave them a taste of what coming to an English language stand-up comedy is like, and it was fun. Yeah, and afterwards we chatted a little bit. They were very very nice. You know, it was very support. You know, I think a lot of people saw that episode, and it 
you know, the way it was edited, it was very kind of dark and felt kind of slow. You know, it was Kai's first time doing stand-up comedy. Maybe it wasn't his best set. Uh, hopefully he'll continue to grow as a comedian. But overall, it was a very warm, fun atmosphere that night and everyone had a great time. I'd like to move on now to talk about the work of Tell mm. Japan, who you're an ambassador for, not just because we've been talking today about the death of Hana Kimura, but also because of coronavirus and the increased pressures I think people are facing at the moment. So tell me, what is Tell Japan? What services does it provide and how are you involved with it? So I'm an ambassador for the Tokyo English Lifeline Tell, and I've been that for a few months. But I've been involved, or the Koku comedy scene has been involved with Tell for a number of years. Um, we lost one of uh, someone in our community to suicide not that long ago. Uh, I personally have also lost people around me to suicide, and we started doing some events, like essentially fundraising events for Tell. You know, it's an easy way. We get lots of people in. We've got a voice within the community, and we thought we could work together with them um, tell itself is you know it's a long-standing part of the international community here in japan uh, they provide much needed uh, mental health support both in the form of counseling uh, outreach uh, and then also the lifeline itself which is a a daily either phone or chat service where people who if they need to talk if they need to reach out if they need to be heard by someone can um contact anonymously and it's been going on uh, supported by volunteers for a number number of years now and who's it aimed at and and how would you go about accessing it if you if you did feel you needed its services the aim is for the english speaking or the international community of tokyo but i think we both know how broad that is you know we've got a huge diverse community both in terms of non-english speakers who need something to talk someone to talk to and maybe english is a preferred language rather than japanese we've got returnees in the community as well we've got um japanese people who speak great english yeah and i assume they overflow into tell's remit because you know the japanese uh, language services are just so Oh, oh, you know, in, in so in demand, there's such mm -hmm. a demand for these services. Um, so if you want to access it, um, there is a the lifeline itself. Now I will preface this saying that during this time of Corona, services has been interrupted, but on a, on a standard week, on a standard day, it would be 9am to 11pm. 9am to 11pm, there is a, an anonymous lifeline manned and you can reach out and talk to them at those times during the weekends uh, there's later service as well on a chat uh, service that runs from half past 10 to two o'clock on friday saturday and sunday now anyone listen to this during this time of corona um i would say do check the social media of tell just to make sure whether during the time you want to talk to them they are running either a chat or phone i think it's changing on a on a kind of fluid basis so that service is completely anonymous. So, you know, you, you don't have to give your name or any details about yourself. It's just purely for those who just want to talk and be able to express their feelings. Yeah. And they, they also have an information giving role as well. If you need information and you can't get it you know, um, uh, about like health services, about emergency services in Japan um, and you can't get it elsewhere, they've got that role. But yeah, largely it's an anonymous place where if you want to be heard, you want to talk to someone you know, what's building up, you're just feeling so lonely and you've got no one you can reach out to. It's there for that that reason. Um, and yeah, and like you said, a totally anonymous and, you know, they operate a very not a absolutely non-judgmental service. 
And if you're listening to this and, you know, you don't feel that you necessarily need the services of Tell, are there other ways that people can get involved? Yeah. Like I said, the it's staffed by volunteers. And if you want to volunteer for Tell, if you feel you want to contribute to that, what they're doing, they have a volunteer sign-up form on their website, which is www.telljp.com. Um, and, you know, I'm volunteering probably can take on a number of different forms they run a lot of events you could attend one of the events you could donate um again like a lot of things have been interrupted by um corona at the moment but they are a long-standing part of this community that survives on donations of volunteer support um and any help is much appreciated and you know and finally i think another thing you could do is I think one of the saddest things about suicide is that it is preventable. There are services out there and so often the case is that people don't know where the services are or they don't feel, due to the taboo, the shame, both in Japan but internationally surrounding mental health, people don't know that it's okay to reach out. Um, you know, and likewise, if you've got a friend who is feeling withdrawn, you know, maybe you know, let them know about the service. That was BJ Fox. My thanks to him. And if you're interested in learning more about Tell, visit telljp.com. A link to their website is in the episode notes. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I appreciate it's longer than usual, but hopefully the information has been useful. We'll be back with a new episode next week. If you're not yet subscribed to the show, do so to get all the latest episodes straight to your device. And if you want email notifications every time a new episode is released, sign up to our mailing list at jtimes.jp slash deep dive sub. One more time, that is jtimes.jp slash deep dive sub. Until next time, thanks as always for listening and podskarisama. summer.